When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on an all-new Dr. Phil, living with OCD. I'll grab the mail with the Clorox wipe. I clean the floor on my hands and knees. Washing her hands up to 30 times a day. Dr. Phil, I need help. You had a blood analysis that showed that you were toxic for cleaning chemicals. In 10 years or less, I'm going to have some sort of major disease. How to stop an obsession. You can get a grip on this. Here's truth number one. This is going to be a changing day in your life. I know things are tough out there, but we can do this. Here we go. I want you to get excited about your life. Let's do it. Go, Dr. Phil. Non-stop cleaning for hours on end, washing your hands up to 30 times a day, sometimes until they bleed, and having the need to repeatedly count and check on things. We're not talking about people with just habit-forming behavior. We're talking about a debilitating illness called obsessive-compulsive disorder. Now, for many people suffering from OCD, the rituals provide a form of temporary relief but not doing them can cause overwhelming anxiety. Look, OCD is a disorder that affects one in every 50 adults, including my guest, Lisa. She has suffered from OCD most of her life. She's petrified of germs and washes her kitchen floor four to five times a day and excessively washes her hands all day long. I have OCD. I'm a major germaphobe. I always feel panicky and anxious and I'm always cleaning. I clean my kitchen probably five to six times a day. I probably scrub on my hands and knees my kitchen floor at least four times every day, if not more. Why are you eating these? You didn't wash your hands before you ate. My biggest fear is my kids getting the stomach flu. Vomit is like the worst thing. I don't want them to vomit. I wake up in the morning, go down to the computer. I research every single day. This is one of the websites that I go to. It's just the CBC News and then I go under health. If there's an outbreak, I don't let my kids go out. And then around the house, I feel the need to clean more. If one of the kids gets sick, Lisa immediately packs up everybody else and she leaves. And I stay home with the sick child until they're completely 100%. Get out of the mud! Lisa believes that instead of your body fighting off uh, germs with antibodies that you really only have so much life and each time you get sick it eats away a little bit more and more at that until eventually you're dead. My husband definitely said I'm getting worse. I wrote to Dr. Phil. I remember the day and I was having a really bad day. I could see it affecting my kids and just the way I was feeling inside and I just knew 
I didn't know where else to turn. I didn't know what else to do. I just felt like I was dying inside that day. I just want to know if I can change, if I really can get the help that I need. So let's take a look at a typical day with someone living with OCD. I clean my kitchen first thing in the morning. I wipe down all the counters and I wipe down the table. Then I get down on my hands and knees and I clean the whole floor. The kids get up at different times. Usually Reno's up first. He's to go to the bathroom right away, wash his hands. I try to get them to sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. That's just to let them know you have to wash your hands for a certain amount of time. He gets breakfast and then we'll start on homeschooling. When you're adding like this, work this way. And then when Makai gets up in the morning, and after she's had her breakfast, I do a little bit with her as well. You know this letter. I do laundry every day. I do up to three loads. My kids don't ever wear anything twice. Whether it was on for 10 minutes or the whole day, it goes in the laundry. My mom used that cloth this morning <laughs> and it's really messy, so that's just like gonna go in the garbage. Anytime I touch wet clothes, I just right after have to go wash my hands. I make lunch. I always wash my hands before I touch anything in the kitchen. Probably hot enough. Touch it. If I touch the meat, I have to wash my hands. Then after lunch, I usually do another wash under the table because there's usually a mess everywhere. I'll open the mailbox with the Clorox wipe and then grab the mail with the wipe. Check the clean stuff under my arm and then I throw everything out and then I have to wash my hands. I usually start supper by four and then I clean up. I probably scrub on my hands and knees my kitchen floor at least four times every day. What's your reaction to kind of seeing your life pattern on video there? Um, it seems so irrational, not logical. Um, I watch it and think, why do I have to do that? But I do. What about it seems irrational? Um, I guess just the need to have to wash my floor so much, my hands so much, the way I am with my kids. Tell me this, when you do these things, when you wash your hands, when you wash the floor, when you wipe down the counters, when you do these things that we call ritualistic behaviors, in the moment you do it for a reason, there's a payoff. What's the payoff for you? Peace of mind. You have a moment that is a, a, a peace of mind, it, it relaxes you some? Yes. All right, and how long does that last? I guess until I do something else or I touch something else. Or are you aware that it starts building back up in you? How long does it last when you get the relief? Um, maybe five, ten minutes, and then I just feel that building again. And it gives you temporary relief, but it's not very efficient. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you say you're a, a Clorox wipes junkie. Yes. You said that in September of last year, you had a blood analysis that showed that you were toxic for cleaning chemicals. Mm -hmm. You had done this so much that it had been absorbed and your blood was toxic. Mm -hmm. What did you think then? Um, I was really afraid. I wanted to change. Um, I changed some, but that's one that I haven't been able to let go of yet. They said in 
10 years or less, I'm either going to have some sort of major disease like cancer, um, lymphoma, leukemia, or some heart disease. It's just affecting my whole body. Okay, and I want to get this out for you and for everybody else to understand the, the power of this compulsion because you're, you're cleaning the floor four or five times a day, you're wiping down everything, you, you go through all of these rituals because you're afraid it would make you sick, right? Mm -hmm. You then are told that you're doing that actually has the potential of making you very sick, right. fatally sick. Mm -hmm. But even with that knowledge, you continue to do it. Right. So something is driving this in a major way, right? Yes. And your question to me, you said, since I've had this for so long and never sought professional help, is there really even hope of fixing this? Mm -hmm. That's your question. Yes. And you're concerned about the impact on the children. Yes. And I'm concerned about both. All right, next, we're going to find out why Christian feels that he's just a provider in his own home. And we're going to talk to some of the leading experts in the country on OCD. We'll be right back. Lisa cleans up after everybody. What are you doing? Well, my sister and her husband are my sister. Why do you have to clean all the chairs? Because they not touched it. My hands just feel cracked and sore. They hurt so bad by the day's end. If I try to bend my fingers, they feel like my knuckles are going to explode. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. I just want it to stop here. Monday. When does friendship turn into emotional infidelity? Sex or no sex, it's still being unfaithful. I don't call it cheating. I like the attention. Something needs to be fixed. I've been very truthful. You've been very truthful, but you went behind his back and wrote these love letters to his best friend. Will this be their turning point? I, I was in denial. I'm trying to get you to open your eyes and realize there are consequences. That's Monday on Dr. Phil. I'm not allowed to take the children anywhere by myself. If Lisa's not with me, the kids aren't coming. I do feel like I'm missing out a little bit, especially with my son, and even with my daughters taking them out to do something fun. It makes my life a little bit easier knowing that he's gonna do whatever I want, but I know deep down inside he's probably not happy with that decision. My concern with their marriage is that Christian will definitely run out of patience for Lisa and that they will separate or go through a divorce. Well, today we're talking about obsessive compulsive disorder. Now, interestingly enough, it's a fairly common anxiety disorder characterized by recurrent unwanted thoughts, and or repetitive behaviors like hand washing or constant cleaning. Now studies say that OCD can begin for many anywhere from early childhood to adulthood, usually up to about age 40. Now we're here with Lisa who says that she struggled with OCD for so long that she even fears that she's just too far gone to get better. 
and as I told you at break, I don't believe that at all. This is a neurologically based disorder. It's anxiety driven, but there are things that you can do for you to get a grip on this. And so I, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's doable. Right. Dr. Michael Jenicki is professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and is the founder and medical director of the Massachusetts General Hospital Obsessive Compulsive Disorder Institute at McLean Hospital. Now, Dr. Jenicki has a new book actually in collaboration with Terry Murphy and Edward Zinn called Life in Rewind. Dr. Jenicki, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, you've been listening to Lisa's story and we have talked about it and you've gotten access to kind of all of her history, all the background that we've gotten, not that there isn't more, uh, but what's your assessment based on what you're hearing so far? My assessment is that it's, her illness is quite severe and it's pretty much taken over her life in major ways and it's particularly worrisome that it's having this effect on her children and she's perfectly aware of that. I think she's a wonderful mother, but I think OCD can just beat you in the brain where you have to do these things. All right, now, Dr. Jenicki, help us with this because you're so focused on this. Talk about the origin of this a little bit. Where does this come from? Why does this happen in some people and not others? It looks like there's a genetic component in many people. There are all kinds of uh, neurobiological studies looking at the brain in people with OCD versus uh, people without OCD, what we call normal controls. And there are subtle differences in the brains of people with OCD. They have more gray matter on the surface of the brain. They have a little less white matter, which are the connection fibers. But what all of this means for a patient, we don't really know yet. It's going to take us another decade or two to put it all together. But the bottom line is that we're way ahead in terms of treatment than we are in terms of understanding what causes the disorder. So that's the good news, I think, for patients. We can help patients now. Uh, you know, one of the things that we do with all of our guests, and Lisa, we, we did it with you and Christian, is I always ask about 10 defining moments in your life, the seven critical choices that you've made, and the five pivotal people in your life. And I don't ask that just because of your particular disorder with OCD. I ask it because I think it's very instructive to me in understanding things about folks. And what I think Dr. Jenicki will probably agree with is that there's not always a clear precipitating event that triggers uh, OCD. Is that correct, Dr. Jenicki? That is correct. Sometimes there is, but most of the time there is no particular event that triggers it. Okay, now w the first thing you listed uh, in your 10 defining moments was in elementary school you threw up on another kid mm -hmm. and now you have a, a real obsession with stomach flu. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there a possible tie in there, Dr. Jenicki? Well, I think it'd be impossible to deny that there's some kind of tie-in since that's so prominent in her symptomatology. But I would conceptualize that, that she has a tendency towards OCD or the genetic vulnerability, and this happened to be the thing that kind of set it off. Unfortunately, that doesn't help us in terms of treatment. Uh, we still have to manage it and treat it the same way as, as anybody else that has OCD. She's not the only one impacted by this. Lisa's children basically don't have any friends because she's worried about them potentially being near any germs. So is this harming them for the long haul and how is it affecting their development and their future? We're gonna talk about all of that when we come back. The kids don't have any friends. They're so secluded from everybody. I don't think that Reno's getting a proper education. Would you like to go to real school? Kind of. How come? 
because I like good to see my friends. They should be around their friends, but my fear of germs just override that. I don't really have any intention of them going to school. Today we're talking about obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. It's an anxiety disorder that can strike both men and women in equal numbers. Now, we're here with our guest Lisa, who is so afraid of germs that she homeschools her children. Her husband Christian fears that they're raising a bunch of shut-ins who are going to be terrified of going out into the real world. Give me your hands, please. Here. Hands? We have to put this on our face, too. My behavior definitely affects my children. Our three-year-old cannot have her hands dirty at all. If she gets anything on her hands, she has a complete meltdown. Bella has a little green mat on her floor, and her sister kind of crumpled the corner of it with her foot. Bella instantly had to drop to the floor and, oh no, my carpet. My cleaning definitely gets in the way of them being homeschooled. When I tell Lisa that I think the kids need to be in school, she gets very upset. I do not have any say in the matter. I don't really have any intention of them going to school. It makes me feel like I'm not really allowed to be the kid's parent. I'm really just a provider for them. Would you like to go to real school? Kind of. How come? Because I like get to see my friends. I don't think that Reno's getting a proper education. The only thing that he's learning is what Lisa decides to teach him, which, in my opinion, is pretty much the bare minimum. How often do you do your homeschooling? Well, until my ABCs are done. Reno talks in baby talk like a three-year-old. And that's because he spends his whole day with his baby sisters. He needs to get out. I can tell when I get home that he's bored. He needs to be able to expend some of this energy. I've tried to make the backyard like a fun area. We bought a sandbox. Oh my goodness. Please don't play in the dirt. It was just too much of a mess. They should be around their friends, but my fear of germs just override that. My biggest fear is that when the kids grow up, they're gonna be complete shut-ins, completely afraid of the world because that's the way they're being taught. It really bothers me because I wanna be the mom to protect them and help them through whatever they need help through. And I just feel like I can't. Okay, talk to me about the children. I just feel bad. What do you think the impact will be on them long term? I know they're going to end up just how I am because that's what I'm teaching them. And I don't want them to be like that. Okay, Christian, why is this okay with you? It's not okay with me. Um, seeing that video of my son smacking his sister really, really upsets me because I didn't raise a son like that. And it bothers me that this is, this is the behavior that, uh, that I'm seeing. And, and you understand, I asked you why this was okay with you, and you said it's not, but based on results, it is. Because based on results, you are the father of these children. You are the husband in this household, you are the father of these children, and you are allowing them to be subjected to what you're allowing them to be subjected to. You're, you're, you're allowing yourself 
to be intimidated by this disease and, and, and by your wife. You're the only thing that stands between those children and the toxic nature of this disorder and your caven. The thing that I'm afraid of is if I bring up an issue, demand that the kids are in school or get out, go to a friend's house, she gets very upset and the result is usually that she leaves. And the kids see that and uh, my son especially because he can tell when mommy's upset and he's got separation anxiety. When she leaves the house, she doesn't think she's coming back. So I do my best to make sure that Lisa's not upset or uncomfortable so that the kids always have a mother. And even if, even if she never gets better, I don't want to do anything that's going to push Lisa away and separate uh, either of us from the children. I don't want you to be guilt motivated here. And I know you do feel guilty. I saw the guilt in your eyes and in your face when you were watching these children. It is unacceptable. I don't want your reaction to be guilt. I want your reaction to be resolve. And basically what you're saying is you are becoming uh, in league with this disorder. You, you are saying, okay, I don't want to upset her. And the only way to not upset her is to let her practice OCD. If I come between her and her ability to practice this disorder, to do this ritualistic behavior, to embrace this compulsive behavior and obsessional thought, if I come between her and that, then she bucks. She, she has a reaction to it. And I understand that, which is exactly why I believe Dr. Jenicki is saying, you may need to get away from there for a while and get some traction in the right direction. Dr. Jenicki, talk to us about that. It does bother me a lot about the effect on, on the children. I used to think the kids can just outgrow this when they get out, but now I see the grown-ups. I've been around long enough to see the grown-ups and whether mother controlled them and kept them locked in. Some of the kids will do fine. I was really worried about your three-year-old daughter. Uh, I think she's heading in a, in a bad direction, and it might get worse year by year if, we don't, if things don't get under control. And there are treatments available, correct? I mean, Absolutely. these are things that you've seen success with across time. Absolutely. Lisa will do great. The, the washing symptoms that she has, even though they're so strong, are often some of the easiest to treat. I mean, it's going to be hard for her. There's going to be a lot of anxiety and she's going to have to do things she doesn't want. But I think with the motivation of helping her children break free of her prison, I think that that will keep her going. Right. And, and here's the thing. We want to do this with you, not to you. Let the intellectual part of your understanding here kick in and realize you are intimidating your husband with this disease, and you threaten him. If you get between me and my OCD, then I will go nuclear on you. You're basically saying, I'm gonna punish you, I'm gonna punish the children, if you don't let me do what I know is self-destructive. Intellectually, you need to understand that what you're doing is putting your needs ahead of the children, your needs ahead of your husband, and that's something that we just simply can't do. It's very simple. You have to step up. There is no divided loyalty here. If it comes down between protecting your children or sustaining your wife's disorder, th that should not be a close call. I would hate for her to leave. I would hate for the children to go through that. But it is better than what they are living now. I'm telling you with great clarity, you have to step up and protect your children here. You're the only one that can at this point. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that. We've got to take a break. 
coming up, we're going to talk about things that Lisa can do to not let this OCD continue to control her life. There are treatments available for this. There's medication. There are therapies. There are things that can happen. Uh, Dr. Michael Jenicky is going to stay with us to talk about that. Dr. Frank Lawless uh, is a cognitive behavioral therapist that's here. We're going to talk about uh, what can be done. We'll be right back. CDs going crazy and my anxiety shot through the roof. My keys are contaminated, my seats in my car are contaminated. This is already my fourth car because they've gotten so contaminated that I had to get new ones. Say, for example, I feel like I've gone over the speed limit. I'll slow my car down and I'll do a simple prayer. Lord, please forgive everybody in this entire world, including myself, for all of our sins that we've ever committed willingly and unwillingly in our entire lives. What is the cost? of living with this disease for you? It's definitely cost me years of my life. It's cost me friends. It's cost me probably college. Liz, I just really admire your courage in walking through the fear and being here today to talk about this. First thing that's most important to me is just to say thank you. Before I appeared on the Dr. Phil show, I didn't really know what to do with my OCD. I was going in so many different directions. Now I'm able to work, go to school full time. I'll be graduating from college in May. With the resources Dr. Phil gave me and the advice that he pointed towards, I was able to understand that my life could be changed forever. Thank you, Dr. Phil. Well, that was Liz, a former guest who struggled with OCD, just like Lisa. And today we're talking about a disorder that affects 2.2 million American adults. Now, my guest Lisa lives in constant fear of germs, which results in her obsessions and compulsions to clean everything constantly. She thinks about it, she acts on it. Her husband Christian feels like Lisa's uh, OCD is causing them to shelter their children. You're concerned about their socialization, mm -hmm. just their development, all, all of those things, correct? Yes. You are quite right to be concerned about that. All I can do is give you my advice based on what I see and what I know. I think homeschooling these children is the wrong thing to do. They're not getting the proper education, which means they are falling behind day to day to day, correct? Yeah. So what you're going to wind up is unsocialized, uneducated children that are then going to be thrust into a world in some way when they're ill-equipped to do it. And so that has to stop. I mean, intellectually, do you agree with that? I agree. And you know, that, you know intellectually that children go to school every day. They get sick, they get over it. They get germs, they wash. They're fine, they go on. The whole world works with children going to school. And yours would be no different. You are not afflicted with this. Do you agree with what I'm saying? I absolutely agree with you. How do we get Lisa moving forward on this? Uh, Dr. Frank Lawless is head of the Dr. Phil Advisory Board, and he believes Lisa's OCD is manageable. Now, Dr. Lawless, talk to me a little bit about things that can happen with Lisa, whether inpatient, outpatient, whatever it might be. Well, one of the things that has to happen is for her to gain control over it, right? So through cognitive uh, therapy, we can begin to create some behavioral you know, structure around that so that it's not taking away you know, her relief, but it is limiting it so that she can begin to start uh, you know, doing other things in her life as well. Basically, 
she's telling herself is that she's building up a lot of this anxiety, specifically around germs, and she's becoming fearful. This is a fear response. And so what happens is, if I clean off my world, basically, I'll be okay. This isn't just that you're kind of a neat freak. It gets to the point where you feel compelled you have to do it. I have to do it. Okay, and what Dr. Lawless is talking about is structuring this. What Dr. Jenicki is talking about is there are other ways to cope to alleviate that anxiety. If you had other skills to lessen that anxiety, to give you that relief besides this dysfunctional behavior, can you see yourself embracing those things? Definitely. Now, Dr. Jenicki, is there medicine uh, that can help some patients with OCD. Yes, certainly. Could I just address that behavioral part please. for just a second? Yes, please. Because I think when we say um, prevent you from doing something, that sounds like we're going to tie you up and lock you in a closed right. room. It's, this is all totally with your agreement. And the, the, uh, we're kind of saying that our, what we want to do is stop you from feeling anxiety. That's impossible. What we would do is we would make a list of the things that you did, the most fearful thing all the way down to the least fearful thing. And then we would get you to do something that causes a little bit or a moderate bit of anxiety and not do the ritual. And then you feel that anxiety. It doesn't feel great. But if you feel that anxiety for a couple of hours, your brain then realizes that you can survive the anxiety and eventually it will do what we call habituate. The anxiety will go down. So avoiding the anxiety is not what we want you to do. We want you to learn to deal with it until it becomes sort of like normal anxiety. You can actually get where you can tolerate these things just like the rest of us do. So you have to sort of retrain your brain, but the key is not to get rid of anxiety, it's to teach you to manage the anxiety. And there are skills that you can learn to manage that anxiety. And what you've been doing, Christian, is trying to avoid her having the anxiety, which is why I'm saying you've got to step up and not do that. But as I said at the beginning, and Dr. Jenicki, you're quite right. I prefaced all this by saying this is something we want to do with you, not to you. Right. So you don't have to panic that you're going to get thrown into something that you just can't handle. Uh, talk about the medications for a minute, if you will, Michael. We know that, that there are some drugs that are quite helpful. And Lisa might get a significant amount of relief. And then if you do the behavioral therapy, it makes the process of doing the behavioral therapy and the anxiety they have to feel, it will lessen it. So medication to me is the second best treatment. The most effective treatment is the cognitive uh, behavioral therapy. The point is, this is severe enough that you really need to consider calling a timeout and taking yourself out of the situation and really focusing on this for whatever period of time is necessary. I would support anything that will help, uh, regardless of what it is. All right, and including putting those kids in school. Yes, absolutely. Because that will help. All right, next, we're going to meet a former guest who had OCD and used to clean 16 hours a day. Um, and we had a real serious talk about that when she was right here on this stage. We'll be right back. Sex or no sex, it's still being unfaithful. Monday. When does friendship turn into emotional infidelity? I don't call it cheating. I'm trying to get you to realize there are consequences. That's Monday on Dr. Phil. Closed captioning provided by... We do our shows in front of a live audience and we have a great time here, don't we, everybody? So if you want to be in the 
Dr. Phil audience, go to drphil.com and click on be in the audience or call 323-461-PHIL, 323-461-7445. We'll see you right here. Well, today we've been talking about obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD. Now, listen, this is an anxiety disorder that is often associated with repetitive behaviors such as hand washing, cleaning, counting repeatedly, having to have things oriented in a certain way. Now, Phyllis wrote to me seven years ago about her battle with OCD. Now, Phyllis found herself cleaning 16 hours a day, seven days a week, rarely leaving her home. Now, this caused turmoil for her entire family. Take a look. Backpacks over there. I have homework. I'm a student. Put, Put it away. Put it away when you're not using it. That's all I ask. And when I'm not cleaning, I'm obsessed with cleaning. I clean 12 to 15 hours a day, 365 days a year. It's insanity. I cannot stop this. I can sit there and say I'm not going to, and all of a sudden, I'm walking around screaming and yelling to myself because it needs to be cleaned. What do you fear is going to happen here? I just lost my sister, and I think I'm afraid that if I stop, something's going to happen to me. So you realize that you're missing out on these More children. than anything, that's why I'm here. It's for my children and my husband. Do you miss your mom? Dearly. What do you miss? Her always being there, not, not always worrying about whether my bed's made or whether things are put away the right way. I'm worried more about me and my family. Chances are 85% you can have this under control in a short period of time. Are you willing to do that? I sure am. My life right now is awesome. I don't obsess anymore about my house being clean. This is Bianca's room. Isn't this beautiful? Clothes on the floor. There's my husband doing the cooking, cleaning up. My family today is more relaxed. This is the messiest member of my family, but she loves us unconditionally. <laughs> Dr. Phil, thank you so much for changing my life and changing my family's life. <laughs> Phyllis, it's so good to see you. Thank you. Uh, what was the most meaningful thing that you did, that you used, that was a tool for you to achieve where you are? Well, I listened to you tell me that I needed to change my behavior. So I started off with the music. It did start to get better. I would do the just sitting there staring at my daughter's room and, you know, wanting to get up and touch it, but not doing it and just leaving. It's the hardest thing, Lisa, you're ever going to have to do, but it is so worth it. It's a journey that just was so long for me, but, I mean, I can't express to you enough how much, how important it is to your children to just stop. You can clean five times your floor, but you know what? The germs are somewhere else. I was the same way you were. I wanted to put my children into bubbles. If they're going to get sick, they're going to get sick. There's nothing that's going to stop that. I was afraid of the vomit. I did the same thing. I would go to bed at night and just obsess. Please, dear Lord, don't let them get sick. Please, dear Lord, don't let them get sick. And they did, and they lived, and I lived with them. You're young. I was older than you when I started, and you know what? Just, it needs to stop. You want to have to do it. Nobody can make you do it. So Phyllis, how long did you suffer with this to the point that it controlled your life? 45 years. 45 years. So, you know, you say, is it too late? It's evident that it's not. This is not something that you are cured from. I mean, Never. this is something that you manage, right? 
you cannot cure OCD. You only can manage it. And there are days, believe you me, I can feel it. My kids will say, you OCD in today, Ma? And, you know, <laughs> I look at them and we laugh, but I can feel it. It's up to me. Now I have the tools. I know that I can just walk away. I can, the anxiety's still there, but it's different. It's different. I just, I can't tell you what a change there's been in my life and in my family's life. What do you think about what she's saying? It gives me hope, I guess, to see that somebody else had that and they've changed so I can do it too. Yeah. She's little league in her cleaning compared to what you were doing, right? <laughs> Because you were doing this 16 hours a day. I was doing it as a business. Yeah. I mean, she did it at home, then she went and got a job cleaning. <laughs> so, I mean, because she just had that compulsion so strong. So this is what I'm telling you, Dr. Lawless is telling you, Dr. Jenicki is telling you. We're not saying, oh, it's easy, don't worry about it. And, you know, Phyllis is saying this may be the hardest thing that you've ever done, but you can do it. You are worth it. Your family is worth it. And again, I say this is something that we do with you. Nobody's going to put you in a constant anxiety attack. That's the whole point of this desensitization. You take this a step at a time. You, you, you do this till you, you experience the anxiety and you realize, gosh, I mean, my world didn't come to an end. I'm okay with that. Then you go to the next thing and pretty soon your brain really learns a different response to this. I'm, I'm so proud of you. Because you knew when you came here seven years ago that, that this wasn't going to just say, okay, go do what you want to do. You knew it was going to get confronted in some way. Yes, I did. And so, again, it was that intellectual part that said, I know I need to do something about this. And that's your compass. Intellectually, you have the same awareness that, sh that she has. Right. And it's just that you don't know how to do it. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And this book of Dr. Jenicki's Life and Rewind, it is such an inspirational story. And I want you to read that book, and I'll, I'll give you a copy uh, today. I think you will find inspiration and instruction in, in that book as well, because it's excellent. I recommend everyone uh, to read it. Uh, about one in four adults suffer from a diagnosable mental disorder in a given year. OCD is just one of them. Next, we're going to talk about another form of disorder called impulse control disorder. We'll be right back. DrPhil.com, brought to you in part by... Nice finger! A wart could get used to this! <laughs> Did it get cold? Dr. Scholl's Freeze-Away removes warts fast with as little as one treatment. You'll miss me. Dr. Scholl's Freeze-Away. Travel consideration provided by... Clinically proven Mederma lets you do something about your scar so you can move on with your life and leave your scar behind. Mederma. You know, we get thousands of letters from people whose lives have been torn apart because of behaviors that get them into serious trouble like gambling, domestic violence, even stealing. And as much as they want to stop, in these letters they tell me candidly, I know it's wrong, but I just can't stop. What makes someone act impulsively in a way that puts their reputation or their lives at risk is this. They often have what is known as an impulse control disorder. 
Impulse control disorders have been called behavioral addictions because people with ICD are not addicted to illicit drugs, but rather a specific behavior that gives them short-term pleasure or excitement, such things as shoplifting or gambling. So let's talk about what impulse control disorders are not. There are some myths out there. Myth number one, people who have an impulse control disorder have a need to express anger or vengeance. That's just not true. The truth is that these behaviors are usually triggered by tension and they're followed by relief or pleasure. Myth number two is that people with impulse control disorders are actually in control of their behavior, that that's just an excuse. Let me tell you, this is very real. The reality is that people with these disorders cannot resist the urge to release their anxiety. It builds up to the point that they have to do the behavior or they feel like they're just going to explode. Now, myth number three, people with these disorders are just weak. Well, that's not true. They're just limited in their skills to cope. They don't know how to do it elsewise. Now, there are different types of impulse control disorders, and so I wanted to tell you what they are and what some of the warning signs are. One is intermittent explosive disorder, and this is shown by incidents of acting out aggression that can cause bodily harm or destruction to, to person or, or property. Pathological gambling. Uh, is gambling that is habit-forming and is self-destructive. Kleptomania is taking things without actually even wanting them. When you see somebody do this, uh, they're not wanting the item. They don't want the value. They often steal things that are of little or no value or use to them. Trichotillomania is shown by compulsive hair pulling to release tension. Now, the good news is there is help to treat ICD. Medications are often prescribed to help with controlling these impulses. Psychotherapy and counseling may help desensitize the stress associated with the anxiety that is building up. Journaling may actually help. When people write down when they feel the impulses and what's going on, it gives them some objectivity from it and they can look at it. When urges are hard to overcome, you need to call someone that you can really count on or a telephone counseling service to support you until it passes. Now to get more information on ICD, please go to the University of Minnesota's Impulse Control Disorders Clinic at www.impulsecontroldisorders.org. And of course, there'll be more information at drphil.com. Your mental health matters, and so I want you to know what these things are and that there are treatments. We'll be right back. Want to know what's coming up on Dr. Phil? Visit drphil.com and subscribe to our email newsletter. For more information about obsessive compulsive disorder, please go to www.ocfoundation.org and you can also visit drphil.com and we're going to have a lot of the definitions and talking points and uh, possible treatments that, that you can look to for this sort of thing. I want to thank all of my guests for being here today, including Dr. Michael Jenicki uh, from Harvard Medical School and the McLean Hospital. Look for Dr. Michael Jenicki's new book in store called Life in Rewind, and also Dr. Lawless for all of his help. And uh, Dr. Lawless, I, I would really love it if you would visit with Lisa a bit backstage and talk about some of the things that go into this cognitive 
uh, behavioral sort of therapy because I, I think you're gonna, it's gonna make a lot of sense to you. Thanks so much for being here, so long. Dr. Phil's explained to you, and what you've had explained to you two or three times over the show, uh, is find ways that you can bend your brain so that you don't have the same level right. of reactivity. This can be done systematically and should be monitored by a professional to get the, the peak performance. Right. But as our guest, other guest has explained, you can also help that and by yourself in terms of beginning to limit those, uh, those obsessive compulsive behaviors to a certain part of the day. Want to know what's coming up on Dr. Phil? Visit drphil.com and subscribe to our email newsletter. For more information about obsessive compulsive disorder, please go to www.ocfoundation.org and you can also visit drphil.com and we're gonna have a lot of the definitions and talking points and uh, possible treatments that, that you can look to for this sort of thing. I wanna thank all of my guests for being here today, including Dr. Michael Jenicky uh, from Harvard Medical School and the McLean Hospital. Look for Dr. Michael Jenicki's new book in store called Life in Rewinds, and also Dr. Lawless for all of his help. And uh, Dr. Lawless, I, I would really love it if you would visit with Lisa a bit backstage and talk about some of the things that go into this cognitive uh, behavioral sort of therapy, because I, I think you're gonna, it's gonna make a lot of sense to you. Thanks so much for being here, so long. Dr. Phil's explained to you, and what you've had explained to you two or three times over the show, uh, is find ways that you can bend your brain so that you don't have the same level right. of reactivity. This can be done systematically and should be monitored by a professional to get the, the peak performance. Right. But as our guest, other guest has explained, you can also help that and by yourself in terms of beginning to limit those, uh, those obsessive compulsive behaviors to a certain part of the day.